At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody, JJ Cooper, Josh Norris. We got JJ and the Bear back together again for a prospect podcast. We're going to talk about a lot of what's happened so far in the minor leagues. We are now far enough into the full season minor league season that this means something. You don't want to get over overheated. You don't want to get too concerned about a slow start, about a fast start. But we are now far enough into the season that this isn't that you had a good week. This isn't that you had a bad week. This is now, we are six weeks into the season now. And and as such, if you go to baseballamerica.com, probably noticed that we've been busy because we have now updated 20 of the 30 teams, top 30 prospect list. And when I mean updated, I don't mean we saw someone graduated and we added a player. I mean, we looked at, the totality of those lists, one through 30, and talk to people, talk to sources inside organizations, talk to evaluators, scouts from other organizations about those organizations, and, and really have kind of started to try to reflect what we have learned in spring training and now the first month and a half of the season to make but I would say in some cases, I think Joshua too, are some reasonably significant changes. We're not starting from scratch. It's too soon to do that. You're not going to say it's a blank piece of paper, rank entirely well, differently than you did. That, and if JJ had assigned us to do handbook six handbook chapters every month, he wouldn't have any staffers left. <laughs> right. It, it might be a little much. But this is, I'm very excited about this. I tweeted about this. This has really been a dream of mine for, I mean, I, I'll give a slight, probably too long intro on this, which is that if you go back, I remember yeah, 10, 12 years ago, I, I was put in charge of doing the midseason top 50 prospects update. And I love doing it. I love talking about prospects, ranking prospects. And I uh, eventually I'm like, hey, I think I can do 75. And then eventually it's like, I think I could do 100. I can do a real, I think we can do, not just me, but I was spearheading it. I think we can do a real mid-season top 100 update, which sounds quaint now because we update our 100 monthly. But, and then I remember saying, to uh, John Manuel, who was editor-in-chief at the time, was like, hey, John, uh, 
what about us doing a mid-season update of the entire top 30s? And at the time, it was like, we decided, no, it's just too, it's not possible. There's too much going on, too much work. And admittedly, we had a magazine that came out every two weeks at the time, which I, now I think back and I'm like, how did we do that every two weeks? But, but the idea kind of stuck. And eventually, a few years later, we did do a top 30 mid-season update. Well, this is the natural uh, outshoot, you know, outgrowth of that. This is the development of that, which is we are now far enough in that if we just say, here's our top 30, and it's the top 30 that, again, we tweaked, but we did in the off season. That's not a, a fully, that's not as accurate as we can make it at this point. And one of the fun things about this, and this is teeing Josh up on the biggest of, of, of batting tees here, one of the fun aspects of this is it is allowing us to identify and to properly rank the players who've taken big steps forward. And when you say, well, how does a player take a big step forward? There are several ways, but you know, some players come back from an off season and they're just better than they were. But I, I would say also one of the biggest ways is, is you have players who they signed, they may have played in the complexes, but this is their first year in full season ball. And Josh, a few weeks, a couple, few weeks now, three weeks ago, basically came back. He went to Zebulon to see the Carolina Mudcats. And I, I can't remember Josh raving about a prospect to the level he was about a certain Brewers prospect. And again, we talk about the profile, who are players who really are going to show you they're better than you thought they were coming into the season. How about an 18-year-old who's making his full season debut? Josh, what was it that you saw? And by the way, he's he's now on Churio, Jackson Churio watch because he was there last night. I think he'll be there again tonight. Well, I mean, it's also just because it's like the most convenient park to my house is not Durham. Sure. But well. <laughs> but what is it that when you saw Jackson Churio, what is it that that really just jumped out? Well, I, when you asked me, I put it in Slack that said, you know, this guy's really really lightened me up and you said what do you like about him and I said everything I like everything about him there's there's not anything I don't like about him right now now it's hard to not it's hard to come back with a negative review on a guy who's 18 years old who goes 12 for 25 with a bomb in front of you and uh if the weather is normal weather it's five bombs um so understandably he performed but if you factor in the combination of age and the way he came, these weren't cheap hits. He was getting deep into counts. He was, you know, putting the ball to all sectors of the field. His first home run was on 93 fastball on the black that he lined the opposite way over the wall. Um, he played pretty good defense in center field, especially considering the conditions. Like it's in the 80s right now here in, in Durham as we record it. But two weeks ago, it was in the 40s hasn't played much outside of a uh, complex and he had to deal not only with the weather but with you know also all the players being older than him and in a 24-hour span we had a rain delay a power outage delay in the middle of a game a fire alarm delay in the middle of a game and an injury delay in the middle of the game and they all came through that like incredibly well just everything he did uh, spoke to this is a, this is not just a guy. The, the Mudcats are 
a team full of, at least on the position player side, a team full of players who will give you something really interesting every so often. They're, they're young. They have warts out the, you know, all over, but you know, every so often you see why they're there and they've pushed their guys. That's what I was expecting with Churio. I know he got some money. I knew he was an international prospect of note as were a lot of these guys, but he was the best guy on the field. He was, you know, you, you look at his at bats and you say, okay, he's taking pitches with confidence, sometimes too much confidence. Uh, he's working deep in accounts. Eight of the 12 hits he got that series were with two strikes. He was, you know, doing everything you want to see. And I, I'll, I'll say it this way. One of the, the disadvantages of this job, what, the very few disadvantages of this job, is you, it's almost impossible to go in blind on a player. Like if I go, if I, if I were, you know, Joe Fan and I had gone to see I'm not going to name a prospect because it's like almost a comp, but insert big name prospect here. I would go in knowing that I'm expecting greatness out of him. I didn't expect anything except flashes out of him. And what I got was the best position, the best performance by a prospect I've ever seen in 15 years of doing this before here and in Trenton from a prospect I'd only kind of heard of without a rep that I was going in at least not blind, but one eye closed on. I could not believe what I was watching, considering the age, the level, the weather. The, I mean, the, their, their broadcaster, Greg Young, made the point the other day. I think two days ago, they had the anthem done by a high school band. And he pointed out that there is an extreme likelihood that members of that band are older than Jackson Churio. And he is playing center field in a low A, and, and he's cooled off a little bit since then. I did not think he was going to hit 480 for the rest of <laughs> the season, but... He, he made a extremely loud contact for me last night. He can run, he can play center field, he can hit, and this guy, he does everything. He's, and I know, I think we have him three on the Brewers system. I wouldn't be surprised if he's number one by season's end, if he keeps doing what he can. The, the key thing, and the behind the scenes, Josh did the work on this, which is, yeah. He saw a player. Then he also talked to many of his many contacts and we kept getting coming back. Oh yeah. That's a, that's not just a dude. That's a, that's a really prominent guy. And, but the thing that stood out from what you talked about him is like you said, you, you expected to see flashes. He came into the season as a top 10 prospect in the brewer system. I expected to see flashes. It was like looking into the sun. But instead, what you saw was an advanced approach at the plate. Mm -hmm. What you saw was a guy who understood how to work counts, how to work back when he gets behind in counts, things like that, that were the unexpected part. Now, this actually leads to a good segue that I want to ask you about because you've seen some of it, but we've been talking about it on Slack as well. The, the difficulty that is low class A right now. But before we do that, we have a quick message. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. And we're back. And I want to interject one thing before you go there. Uh, you talk about his ability to work deep into accounts. Right now, I think that's almost a detriment. Like he's working too deep into accounts, where I think he's giving up on pitches that he can absolutely rip and letting them go for strike one, where he'll get himself into pitcher's counts and then he can make contact with almost anything, but he's making, he's rolling over balls or whatever. And if he makes a little better swing decisions, uh, I think you'll see even more greatness. <laughs> anyway. So, so, okay. That leads into this, which is you talked on, touched on this. That Carolina Mudcats team is an extreme example of this, but it's not the only one, which is when you look at low A around the country, what you see is it's kind of this duality. Mudcats have, last I checked, on a normal night, on a given night, they can have six teenagers, I think all Latin American teenagers, almost in all their lineup. Right. But in their lineup on any night. At the same time, they have a pitching staff where seven of the prominent pitchers on their pitching staff are 23 or older. So you have this combo platter of teenage hitters with the with tool, toolsy teenage hitters. And then you have this combo with it, which is the pitchers are older. And really in many cases are guys who the best way I could put it is, is under the old system would probably not be in low way. What has happened is, and again, Carolina, if Carolina was the one example of this, I wouldn't be talking about it. But Fort Myers is another, I can keep going down the list. Like there are a lot of teams out there where mainly what it is, is, is you have this, your low A right now has 18 and 19 year olds in it who are making their full season debuts, who are straight out of either the DSL or the Florida or Arizona complex leagues, but they are facing every night, especially pitching wise, there are hitters too, but especially on the pitching side, they are facing an assortment of 22, 23, 24, in some cases, 25-year-old arms, which it makes it a very difficult, like Josh, to me, it like it does make it, this has always been true to some extent about low A, but depending on what night you see, you could see some very different things. Is that a fair way to put it? You see a lot more low A than I do. Yes, and I, I love low A. I love low, I love the lower, the better for me. Like, but that's part of the joy of it. Like, you don't know what you're going to see on any given night. Like you said, 25. Augusta brought a 29-year-old out of its bullpen. And you say to yourself, okay, Brain, why is a 29-year-old doing this? He must do something interesting. 98, 99, 98, 99. Okay, that's why he's there. And he, he hadn't signed a professional contract, 
contract until 2020, which obviously was a bad year to sign a professional contract. Uh, and then he pitched in the ACL for the Guardians last year, and now he's with the Braves, and his name is Juan Mateo, and he throws very, very hard. But yeah, it's a mishmash of guys. The, the baseball isn't going to be the cleanest. And that was another reason that I was really impressed with Churio was because he was facing a bunch of dudes who should be getting 18-year-olds out. If you took a crappy college pitcher or college-age pitcher and said, hey, go get some high schoolers out, I would expect you to do that pretty well. <laughs> uh, and then he and Churio just like, nah, I'm better than you, and I'm going to prove it right now. And <laughs> anyway, yeah, he – it's, it's just a weird mishmash of guys. You'll see, you know, whippy armed Latin kids, kind of veteran uh, college guys, uh, somewhere in between. It, it makes for not the cleanest level of baseball, but it's the mystery, the intrigue that I love. <laughs> you don't know, you, you might see a two hour, six minute game like I did last night, or you might see a goat rodeo. I have a clip somewhere on our server, literally named goat rodeo, where it's just this, <laughs> you know, a Benny Hill style uh, muck up of (laughs) just like you look at it and go, well, I remember I'll digress here. I remember at one point I was watching a GCL game and dude was in his motion and the catcher got up to call timeout. Umpire didn't grant it. The pitcher couldn't stop, followed through. It went super wild, but bounced back off the backstop directly to the catcher who tagged the guy coming out from home plate. So you had a guy who wasn't even trying to pitch, pitch, and it turned out into an out at the plate. That's kind of the goat rodeo you can see at the low levels. But yeah, you're right. The, the elimination of the short season and the Appy League, which wouldn't be in play right now anyway, uh, there'd just be more guys in extended, um, different guys in extended, has led to kind of a weird amalgamation well, of, of Frankenstein clubs. Th- that part we expected. We knew that the elimination of the short season rookie, the Appy League, the Pioneer League, the New York Penn League, the Northwest, well, the old Northwest League, yeah. it still exists, but the old Northwest League. So those things we knew was going to force some players to make the jump from complex league to full season ball quicker than they may have in the past. And when you say, well, why don't they go back to the complex league again for a second year? The general answer is, is that, you only want to do that to someone who is your sworn enemy because complex ball is a somewhat miserable experience of playing it either extremely hot, dry heat fire league in Arizona or extremely humid, hot in Florida in front of no fans, almost without fail. Although I'll give credit to the, to the Braves FCL club. They're actually having some fans now, but. And don't, don't discount Susan out in Salt Lake. Yes. Okay. Fan. I didn't. I said fans. He has plural. the voice of a thousand fans. But so th- that we knew was going to happen. But the other thing that is happening that I think we're seeing is we're seeing if a team, especially, goes college heavy in the draft, college pitching heavy in the draft. There's only so many spots in high A. And if, in, especially there are cases where maybe developmentally the player's best off in high A, but if it's bullpen in high A or rotation in low A, hello, rotation in low A in some cases. And so we are seeing some guys who you look at them dominating low A and you go, why is that guy in low A? And it's like, oh, because they're 
stacked at high A as far as arms and he has to go pitch somewhere. And so that's another part that I didn't expect to see as much, but that leads us into the other thing of what we both have observed and, and kind of want to get your thoughts on. I've been kind of sharing my thoughts on this a lot, but we are now four weeks, roughly May, April 15th was the first day we're recording this on May 19th, April 15th was the first day of the, I don't want to say pitch clock rules because they're really the new pitch clock rules. There's been a pitch clock in, in some levels of the minors for a very long time, but not this one. And so Josh, you've been to a lot of games. I've been to some, but you've been to a lot. What are you seeing so far as the, the, the trends, the things you've noticed about the pitch clock, the new pitch clock rules? I mean, in the first couple of days, I was there, I think, on the first day, first or second day. Yeah, it was a mess. It was a fast mess, but it was a mess, especially that, that first day. It didn't seem like it was going to work because I think I got like a three hour, 15 minute game. And I shudder to think what it would have been like without a pitch clock. But my first thought was, okay, so they're just missing the strike zone faster. Um, good for them. But that was an outlier. Like last night, like I said earlier, was two hours and six. And granted, it was a low scoring game. But you mentioned the other day there was a, a, a football score in the Texas League that was under three hours. And Amarillo and Tulsa, uh, 16 to 12 or so, 13 home 13. runs. That might have been a score of Gami, but yeah. 90, 91 batters came to the plate, two hours, 47 minutes. And let's be clear, that's the kind of game. It was 15-12, I think, because it was a close game. That's the kind of game where I, I don't understand some people on Twitter. That's probably true of most people if you're on Twitter. But I don't understand some people on Twitter who are like, you must hate baseball if there's ever been a game that you it was too long for you and to which my response would be no but i do hate for baseball to lose all sense of pace which has happened at games that if you go to a number of games i promise you okay also say if you've ever gone to a significant weekend college baseball game i promise you you have seen a game that lost all sense of pace so if you'd have told me that 15, 12, 13 home runs takes three hours and 40 minutes, if I'd have been in person and attending that, I'd have walked out going, yeah, I, a lot happened. I understand. I'm fine with that. It's but, like by that same notion, like these people who say that, you know, if you've been to a game that's four hours that, you know, you, you, you love it better when it's that. Do you go to like a, a one nothing game where it's two hours, 20, even before the pitch clock and go, well, I feel ripped off. I only saw two hours and 20. No, you don't. You got nine innings, some, or maybe more, and some stuff happened. <laughs> one team won. You probably saw some fireworks. You got a cotton candy. I, I know this. I, when I go to games, when I talk to minor league operators, GMs, front office officials, but also, especially when I watch games on MILB TV, I'm not saying that you can't be a fan who's like, I like games going long. That's your opinion. I can tell you this. Your opinion is not shared by most people at a minor league game. Because if you watch a game that takes 206, I'm 
it was a Mudcats game. I'm guessing there weren't a thousands of thousands and thousands of, huh? 161. There weren't a ton of people at the start of the game. But a two-hour, 15-minute game played with pace is going to have a much larger percentage of the crowd still around at the end of it than a three-hour, six-minute game played without pace. And the other thing that we see, and I talked to someone, an operator about this last week, made the point. If it's if you're at the two hour, 15 minute mark and the game's in the sixth, there are people who are going to go home. Well, I've been here two hours and 15 minutes. The game probably still has an hour to go. It's going to get late. I'm leaving. Those same people, if at the two hour, 15 minute mark, the game's in the eighth, they're probably sticking around because you know what? We've got six outs to go, nine outs to go, probably be done in another 15, 20 minutes. Okay, sounds good. But, I mean, that's the thing. The thing I've seen is, is and what's, but now there's the, also the interesting offshoot of this. Uh, Jeff, Jeff for us had a, went out to see Brian Bellows' first AAA start last night. And one of the things that stood out about it is, and he made a point of it, Bellow was literally throwing the ball, throwing his next pitch six seconds after he, the ball hit his glove consistently. Kind of to springboard off that, I, that's going to screw with the hitters. You're seeing a lot of hitters in the minor leagues right now who are hitting, you know, their, their first numbers in their batting average are 2-4 or below. And I talked to someone last night who said, well, one of the prominent prospects in my system has had to rework his entire pre-pitch routine to accommodate this clock. And I wouldn't, I would be stunned if that's a unique problem. And that's the thing that stood out to me is, is when you watch Bellow, if you're a hitter in the minors, and again, I know a lot of people, if you don't know everything about these pitch clock rules, go to baseballamerica.com. We're writing a lot about it. But one of the key parts of these rules are the batter must be ready to go with nine seconds remaining on the clock. Well, if there's no one on base, the clock starts at 14 seconds. So five seconds after the pitcher gets the ball in his hand, the batter has to be ready to go. If Bellow's throwing in six seconds, he's actually often, it seems like, is on a pace that hitters have trouble being caught up to, and you don't have recourse. In the majors, what would happen to him? the batter would step out every time in the minors. You can't do that because the rule is have to be ready nine seconds. And the only exception for that is, is if the umpire grants you time and the umpire is not going to grant you time just because you asked for time. If you say, Hey, excuse me, ump, I got something in my eye. Okay. He'll probably give you time the first time, but you're not going to be able to break a pitcher's routine by stepping out, it's not allowed in the minors. That's the that's to me that that batter pitcher interaction is the most important thing that's happening with this. But Josh, the other thing I don't know about you, but we're also at stolen bases is another aspect that I think we're seeing be an uh, uh, an effect of this as well. Yeah, I mean I haven't noticed it super much, but I know that they've you know minimized the uh, the pickoff throws. Which thank you. We talked about college baseball where i think at times pickoff throws are just a, a means 
a means for college coaches or players to gather their thoughts. They just pick and pick and pick and pick until they figure something out. And it's not that you can't do that in the minors anymore. You get two and if you, you get a third, but if you don't get him, that's a, essentially a balk. The guy gets to go to the next base. I've seen, I've heard of one so far this year. Uh, there's probably been more, but I've only heard of one where the guy just got the free base. But that's, that's also taking a lot of time out of the game. And frankly, if it leads to more back picks, I'm all for it. The pitcher picks, they're terrible. It's like watching the, 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 uh, the fouls at the end of a college basketball game. Now, catcher throwing back there, that's fun. The other thing that's happened with that, though, is, as you said, you're allowed three, but the third one has to pick them off or it's a free base. Well, what that really means is, is you almost never see a second one because the minute you throw over with a second pickoff throw, at that point, the batter, the base runner pretty much knows, I can get a really good lead here. If I'm not halfway to second base, he's not throwing over. So if you keep that one pickoff throw in your back pocket, that is what affects that. So we also are seeing with that stolen base success rates, stolen base rates, but also more importantly, probably stolen base success rates are tracking at their highest in, in recorded statistical time. If someone can find me, you know, year by year stolen base success rates for the miners going back, a hundred years, I'd love to see them. I have not been able to find those myself, and we also, but go ahead. We also have to point out that it's not 90 feet between bases anymore. It's 89 feet, six inches. It's so there is a smaller, it's a larger base too, which does cut it a little bit. Remember, you know, but, uh, but so you, you, you look at all this and by the way, I, 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 this is me being obtuse, but it's not 90 feet before it was 90 feet from the center of the base to, you know. That's okay. I was being obtuse. You can be acute back to me. But uh, but the thing about it is, is that, so if you haven't gone out and checked out a minor league game yet, and there's one in your area, I would recommend it. I think, I keep asking people, what do you think? And as you would expect, opinions are mixed. However, there is a lot, there are a lot of opinions that where, where people say they appreciate the pace. They appreciate the fact that what seems to be happening here is, I don't know another way to put it. They're 25 games are 25 minutes shorter on average, nine inning minor league games. And that's with the same basically identical number of pitches as there were last year. That's with effectively the same number of batters coming up at each game. That's with almost identical runs scored last year. I think, Teams average 5.05 runs per game, and right now it's like 4.96. Pretty much what has happened so far is they have sucked dead time out of the game. I know that there are people, they are in my mentions, who love dead time. They seem to have nothing that they enjoy more than the possibility of Pedro Baez standing on the mound and ruminating over what his next pitch will be for half a minute or more. But I am also hearing from a lot of people who say, man, it's nice to go to a game and have to stay locked in because there's not enough dead time in between pitches to let the mind wander. I'll kind of wrap it up with this, Josh. You're one of our Mr. Video slash charting slash doing everything when you're there. Because we've heard this from scouts too. 
how much tougher is it made for you as far as getting what you want to do done between pitches uh, done because the next pitch is coming quicker? Uh, I'm pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I don't, I don't I, my stuff isn't, is, is, it's not that hard to write down two numbers and occasionally circle it. You know? <laughs> they, they do a lot more than I do. So, but, but I know this, if you used to watch MILB replays of games by clicking the 15 second advance button, that used to give you pretty much a good safe bet that you were going to get like three seconds before the next pitch. That does not work anymore, which is fine. You just have to watch it straight through now. But as you said today, we're pretty excited that we're back in the middle of a minor league season, really the most normal minor league season we've had in quite a while. This time last year, we were talking about the start of the season because it was delayed because of COVID. Two years ago at this time, we were talking about the likelihood of there not being a season because the minor league season was washed out by COVID, the entirety of it. So, man, it's nice just to have it back to, to normal. But, uh, but Josh, any, uh, any parting thoughts, anything that I didn't cover that you wanted to? Uh, at the risk of being cut off by Zoom? No. <laughs> <laughs> but for Josh, I'm JJ. Thank you for the download. If you get a chance, please feel free to leave us a review. We do appreciate it. And check out all the stuff we have over at BaseballAmerica.com. So long, everybody. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading to the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a 25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.